بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. I would like to start today's episode off by sharing some characteristics of types of families. And I want you to think about these points and maybe score in your head one to five, one being a low score or weak, five being strong or you know a frequent, um, it's a frequent thing that happens. Just think about that scoring as I list some of these characteristics of family. And when I work with young men and women, who let's say are trying to get married or they just got married or they're, they've been married for a while. The nature of family dynamics plays a big role in why there's a lot of problems or conflicts between a couple, right? Because a lot of times we have extended family that get involved or are part of our greater family. And that's great. We should have a village helping to raise our kids. We should have a sense of community. None of that is bad. However, as we know, all extremes lead to extreme outcomes, right? And those aren't usually good and well thought out. They're usually reactive, impulsive, chaotic, maybe even dangerous. So think about these characteristics as I list them, all right? Did your family have a lack of boundaries growing up? Meaning like boundaries between the household, members of the household, a lack of boundaries, one to five. So that means there isn't a sense of personal space, you know. Examples of having, you know, let's say poor personal boundaries or a family that doesn't acknowledge uh, proper personal boundaries, let's say is when, you know, you fail to speak up if you're treated bad because the boundary is you never speak back to your parents no matter what, let's say. Um, you're asked to give a lot of your time, like take care of your little sister when you have an exam tomorrow and you're in college and your parents are like, you know, you, you'll be in trouble if you don't do what they ask. So there isn't this sense of recognizing you've got your own world going on parallel to, you know, being their child. Um, you feel guilty, for instance, if you're dedicating time to yourself, like that's a lack of boundaries. So think about that and how did, you, did that exist in your family growing up? Second quality I want you to reflect on is as a child growing up, and even now as a young adult, let's say if you live with your family still, are you encouraged by your parents to individuate and become emotionally and practically independent, right? In other words, you're able to deal with emotional situations, social situations, practical situations without your parents doing everything for you, okay? So your parents encourage you, let's say, to go get a job. I know so many young Muslim men and women, they, mashallah, went to great colleges and became, you know, professionals, but they never actually had a job in their life, literally. Like, they're, they're still 25 or whatever, and they've never had a job in their life. They're still in college or studying in med school. I mean, I, I, my first job was when I was at age 14, you know, and I never stopped working or studying since then. There was never a, a year off or a gap year, none of that. It was always you're working or you're studying since 14. That teaches you a lot about the world. You know, you interact with people. You learn how to regulate your emotions, your feelings around different personalities and characters, especially if you're in customer service or food industry, right? It, it builds character. So 
Was that something that you found happened in your family? You were encouraged to individuate, become emotionally independent. In other words, you could also like things that your family didn't like, feel a certain way that your family didn't feel, right? That's part of that. One to five, how would you score that? One to five, five is strong, one is weak. Next quality I want you to reflect on. Did you notice in your family growing up there was perhaps oversharing or demands to know all about your life, right? Like everything you're doing, everybody you talk to, who are you going, what are you doing? Again, all that in within reason is necessary to be a responsible parent, but this is, you know, sometimes you feel you have to overshare. Next characteristic I want you to reflect on. You're expected to conform to family norms and traditions. You're expected to conform to family norms and traditions. Almost blindly, right? It's like, well, we do it this way, so you have to do it. Or we're going to do this because this is how we do it back home. And it may not make relative cultural sense. It may not be practical or logical for the situation. But parents or family expect you to conform. And if you don't, uh, that could be a problem, right? How often did you feel like that was happening growing up? You know, it could include dress, it could include food, it could include mannerisms. Again, take the good, but there's almost like a punishment if you don't follow and conform to family norms and traditions. One to five. Characteristic of your self-expression being stifled. I hear this a lot from people. I could never speak up, I could never say anything, I could never disagree, even if I was being treated badly, even by my parents, or I knew my parents were wrong. You know, they still made me have to agree with them. So self-expression is stifled. Which also translates developmentally for an individual's psychology that, you know, what your consciousness produces as a person doesn't matter, has no value, it's stifled. That expression, we want you to suppress and eventually you will repress. And eventually you create almost a sense or a complex that I'm probably not even worthy to exist or to be anything because every time I tried to express something authentic of myself, that was stifled, right? Another quality is parents may treat children as friends or confidants, you know? That's wrong too. When you have a big fight with your husband, then you go talk to your daughter about it and give too much information that connects to, you know, over-sharing over things. And sometimes kids are parentified as a result of that. In other words, they feel like they got to take care of their immature, unpredictable, you know, uh, dysfunctional parents. That could happen. Another quality in these types of families is it's not acceptable to have opinions, beliefs, or ideas that differ from the families. So there's this group think, in-group mentality. And if you, you know, you don't stick with the cult, they'll, they'll throw you out, right? But if you follow the, the cult, let's say, you get rewarded. And then that verifies and deepens your sense of delusion that everything has to go my way, right? And I'm using cult here to be dramatic, but the point here is that you have to be dogmatic about uh, following the family's opinions, beliefs, ideas, and you can't have any of your own that differs. That's a problem. And so that leads to this fierce loyalty that's expected, right? And guilt and shame are used to maintain the status quo of the family. Some of you may be listening now and thinking, yeah, I think a lot of this can relate to me, or some of it can, sure, 
right? And what I described here is what we call an enmeshed family. Enmeshed family. So it's, it's, it's an interesting word because it almost sounds like there's just a big mishmash. You know, there's no, it's like mashed potatoes, right? You can't tell it's a potato anymore. It just looks like a, a pile of mashed stuff. You can put other things in there. You can mix it with other mashed things. And then it becomes this big enmeshed, you know, vegetable, uh, starchy thing, right? And so it means there's no sense of separation or contours of the ingredients involved. So an enmeshed family, it's like the family members aren't really separate units. There's usually some authoritative units and then the rest of the ingredients are going to, you know, enmesh into that. So often it's a parent or both parents, right? Now, why would enmeshed families with these types of qualities that we listed here typically exist in Muslim families, right? Well, my theory is, if we look historically, I mean, the last 200 years, you know, our countries, Muslim countries, are post-colonization, and we've still been at war and political socioeconomic struggle for decades. And when you have families that come from these places, I would argue about 80% of them have unprocessed trauma, right? Because again, a lot of our countries, it's not like, oh yeah, let's just, you know, go make better money somewhere. It's like half the time they're leaving because the country's being blown up right? So that's trauma. And then you show up to a country where you don't know anything. When you're already traumatized and you go to an environment that alienates you more, right? That's like an immigrant experience that can cause more PTSD and more of that kind of survival mode to, to kick in. And then let's say, you know, immigrant uh, Johnny or Muhammad or whoever brings their wife or gets married and starts a family. Now you're trying to raise a family that's Moroccan, Malaysian, Egyptian, Indian, in the middle of this sea of westernness, let's say, right? It's a different religion, it's a different culture, it's a different history, it's a different way of, of, you know, valuing your parents. You know what's funny? Um, I thought about calling this episode The Gods That Failed. And I was going to refer to the gods that failed as the parents because it turns out in Hindu Indian culture, they actually came up with a day called Parent Worship Day. So it's like a Valentine's Day to worship and love your parents. They literally call it Parent Worship Day. I'm not making that up. And it's about really just devoting so much, you know, love and emphasis on your parents. And again, that's a nice thing. But it's just fascinating that you would even name it Parent Worship Day. And by Allah, many of the people I've worked with, when I listen to the when I listen to the nature of the dynamics in their families, they are worshiping their parents or some family member. They become an idol, like a mother becomes an idol, a mother-in-law becomes an idol. Somebody is running the show, right? And if you don't worship it, there's gonna be problems. Right? That's what happens a lot in enmeshed families. And so I think immigrant families, when they come and they, you know, they try to build their own life and they want to preserve their heritage, their identity, their sense of culture. And again, all of that is wonderful. But it gets to such a point where it can create lack of boundaries. Children are not encouraged to individuate. You're, you don't develop emotional skills, social skills, life functioning skills. Your, your parents or family uh, expect you to conform to everything, no questions asked. Self-expression is stifled. 
you're, you know, you're not, it's not acceptable to have opinions or beliefs and ideas that differ from your families. You have to be loyal. And if you're not, we'll guilt and shame you until you are loyal, right? That's not healthy either. But you can see how that could become a product of some of these factors, okay? And so this idea of like parents always know best is ridiculous. They're just human beings too. There's some things they have no clue about. And there's some things they do have more knowledge and experience about, like everybody else, right? <clears throat> so I just think it's interesting that a lot of us who even are educated in the West, go to schools, have experiences, sometimes even have relationship experiences, we actually trust and worship our parents to such a degree that they, we don't question them at all around a lot of decisions they make for us, whether it's you're gonna be a, you know, this profession, you're gonna marry this person, right? You're gonna do it this way. Oh, and once you get married, your wife or your husband, they have to act this way, the way I want them to. And if they don't, it's a, con it's a continuous problem that let's say uh, an extended family member makes for the couple. So this is all part of the enmeshment, right? And this leads me to another point, which is there's too many boys and girls getting married. Boys and girls, not men and women. Because these boys and girls, you could be in your 20s, mid-20s, even your early 30s. I've even spoken to people sometimes in their 40s. And they are in these enmeshed families. They have unhealthy codependent relationships with their families. And so they're not ready to be a man or a woman of their own household. There's no autonomy. There's no comfort with their own self-expression and sense of self. They've been playing the show of whatever the family wants, right? And so oftentimes we think codependency is a type of relationship where let's say there's a drug addict, right? Um, so one simple example is uh, a codependency is like Johnny does drugs and he's married to Jane and Jane keeps rescuing him. You know, every time he goes to jail, she bails him out. Every time he needs money, she gives him money. And why would Jane do that? Because Jane loves him. Jane's been with him for a long time. Jane also has her own insecurities about abandonment, let's say. And she loves to feel needed. And so the fact that Johnny needs her gives her a purpose and makes her feel worthy and that she belongs. And Johnny gets to remain a drug addict while Jane takes care of him. So that's a codependency relationship. In other words, they both need each other to exist and function they can't do it on their own, but it's an unhealthy reason or set of conditions to keep them together, okay? So generally, codependency can be defined as any relationship in which two people become so invested in each other that they can't function independently anymore, right? And so how many of us grow, growing up experienced codependency? Your mood, your happiness, your identity, are defined by other people. How many Muslims and people often say, what will people think? What will people say? What will people do? What will my parents do? What will they say? I can't do that. My parents this. The other day I was talking to a young man, probably in his mid-twenties, married for several years now. And he said to me, you know, when I grow up, you know, we were talking about his parents and he was like, when I grow up, I'm, I told, I wanna be like this and do that. I'm like, aren't you already a grown up? And he stopped himself and goes, whoa, 
Because when he was talking about his parents, he thought himself like he still hadn't grown up. I said, you know, brother, you still see yourself as your parents' child and still not your own man, even though you're married, have your own house and everything, right? Because the enmeshment program and the codependency program was so strong in a lot of us that we actually don't know how to function fully without external approval of family, often, right? Like our parents, for instance, a very big one in a lot of people's lives. So that codependent relationship is usually where there's that one person who is more passive and can't make decisions for themselves. So it could be a daughter or a son is the passive one. The parents are running the show for their lives, whether it's who they marry and once they're married, how they should live as a married couple, right? So that there's a passive person and, and, and that person usually can't make the decisions for themselves. They have to, be follow, they have to follow the, the, the authority, right? Because they're not in, encouraged to individuate. And then there's usually a more dominant personality, right? Like a husband over a wife or a wife over a husband or a mother over her son or a mother-in-law over her daughter-in-law. And that more dominant personality gets some reward and satisfaction for controlling the other person and making decisions about how they will live. And there's a codependency dynamic there. And many families I work with have enmeshed families, which basically is a combination of different codependency relationships, right? Where different people have become so invested in how other people are supposed to be and be perceived and act and look and feel, they can't even function independently in a healthy way anymore. I'll give you another example. It's like, let's say a daughter-in-law goes to her, you know, husband's family's house and they expect her to do X, Y, and Z. And she doesn't actually feel like she should. Like, as an individual, she's like, I don't really believe that's my job or the expectation everybody should have. Like, I'm, like let's say the, the daughter-in-law has to serve eight people constantly for the whole night and everyone enjoys it because that's the, what? The family norm, right? Or the tradition that you are expected to conform to. And this person, let's say, is educated and, um, you know, loves to be there for her family, but she just doesn't like the idea of, like, as soon as... I walk in like somehow everybody just sees me as a butler, right? And then if she tries to express that that's something that she feels is un, you know unnecessary or she feels in, you know it's inconsiderate, she's then punished by the family, right? And let's say her son, her husband, is too enmeshed with his mother, the mother-in-law, right? That that's where now you get these fights and oh picking sides of loyalty. Whose side are you on? Who's right? Oh, it's my mother and she's an old lady. And it's like, well, look, sometimes what you're, what a person wants and thinks is a duty, I actually think is disrespectful, right? That's possible. That's why you'd have to be open to having self-expression and having different opinions about things and trying to hear people out. You can't just keep replicating the same norms and traditions generation after generation with no question, right? Doesn't matter if it's a Muslim culture or not. Even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, that's not an excuse, right? Every community, every community a prophet went to, that was their excuse. Well, this is not what our forefathers did. This is not our tradition and custom. Don't mess with the status quo. Why not? Status quo is great, but we're not saying throw it all away, but it doesn't mean it's perfect forever. Nothing is. Everything's ever evolving, 
because humans are ever-changing, complex beings. And so culture, relativism, all that stuff is evolving with us, right, too. It's not, it's not, um, it's not as simple as there, there are no fundamentals in the world. Like, I do believe there are universal truths that remain, right? But there are the particulars we have to actually mold and refine, along the way, especially if we're, we have a very different context. Like, I can't be a Mongolian family that lives in the, you know, the, uh, the high plains of Mongolia and then show up to San Francisco and try to replicate the same lifestyle there. Like, it would be very difficult. The same way of thinking, the same way of, you know, hunting or whatever. Like, you can't just hunt animals in the street. You gotta adapt to the circumstances of your reality, right? And Muslim families, they often adapt only with one thing. Go to a good school and make money. They know, that, they know how to do that right. Capitalism. You know what I'm saying? But it's like so many young men and women trying to get married. They're boys and girls. They're immature. They're, they have codependency problems. They have insecurity problems. Because they were raised in families where they had to over-please and constantly be judged by others. They became people-pleasers. They developed so much empathy that it became destructive because they burn out. They have no sense of self. A young lady once told me when she left home for the first time for school, people would ask her, what do you like? What do you think? Who are you? She couldn't answer. She, got st she was like, I realized all my answers were just a product of the program I came from back home. Like I actually never had any of my own thoughts or answers about these things when I met different people. And I actually had the space and freedom to express whatever I wanted, because I'm not home anymore, right? And that person realized, like, I don't actually know who I am and what I like and what I want. I've just been conforming to the family, right? So that's enmeshment. Now, what are some things that we could do about this if we're in these situations? Now, one advice I often give people is, if something extreme is happening, the antidote often is incrementally incrementally trying the opposite action or energy. So if my parents lack boundaries, you know, or somebody lacks boundaries with me, you try to encourage a little more boundaries around things, like little by little, right? If you're not encouraged to be independent, like get a job, go apply for jobs, get a job. And once you get one, you know, you can start it, especially if you're 18 and older. Dude. There's no, nobody should be telling you, you can't work, stay home and let mommy fold your laundry for you until I find you the perfect spouse from back home, right? It's like, what, what, grow up. Healthy dependency includes mutual reliance on each other and a balanced give and take. Not one person is passive, the other person is dominant. One person is always trying to please, the other person is always trying to be pleased. That's not healthy, right? You need a mutual reliance and give and take. Sometimes we disguise, like a mother will, or, or sometimes a person who we're in codependency with, they try to disguise like, oh, all I wanna do is help and support you. And basically they're controlling you, right? The enabling is disguised as helping and it creates dependency and stunts your personal growth. Many parents do this to their kids. They actually sometimes don't really want them to get married or they didn't want them to get married to that person. So they keep trying to stunt their growth in all these unconscious passive ways. 
right? Like, oh, I, I love it when my son keeps getting into fights with his, with his wife because then he always comes back to me. Like, that's a sick mother-in-law. She's not healthy. Or, someone, or parents that overly get involved with a couple's life. That's not healthy. I, I always tell couples, don't run to your parents and tell them everything. Because if you resolve your problem with your spouse in a week, you know, your parents would have never known what happened. So be patient. Try to grow up and work things out yourself. Learn how to be mature. Learn how to develop real intimacy skills. Things aren't going to be happy all the time. And if I'm coming from an enmeshed family where I understand the dynamic to be codependent, guess what? When I get married, I'm either going to be the dominant one or the passive one in the new relationship there. Because 80% of the time I'm marrying a young lady who's also coming from an enmeshed family. So this is a, this is a generational problem that's going to continue to affect us over the years. Okay. Now, I encourage people who may feel like this talk today resonates with them. To try your best, little by little, incrementally, to feel free to express your authentic self more. If you can't do it around your family, then do it in your room, right? I would be in my room drawing or doing this or doing stuff that was really Kareem. Even if my parents thought it was a waste of time or whatever people say, you know? My parents never thought drawing was a waste of time, by the way. I'm just saying. I know, I know young men, for instance, they were into different artistic aesthetic crafts, passion, photography, music, guitar, you know, whatever. And in light of the parents saying, why are you doing all this stuff? It's a waste of time, right? You should just focus on studying and your dean, you know, that left a big emptiness in that those people's lives and they didn't have any real way of self-actualizing, fulfilling a deeper sense of intimacy with the aesthetics and beauty of, of existence. And you know what they ended up using instead? Pornography. SubhanAllah. It's like, oh, I quit all those musical, artistic things because it's haram. And then you become a porn addict instead. You know why? Because it's extreme. It's extreme to not live a holistic life. It's extreme to only care about what my parents want, school and, you know, religion. That's not a well-balanced worldview. I've spoken to too many People that make way more money than me. Doctors, engineers, entrepreneurs, whatever, lawyers. But they are childish when it comes to social, emotional, spiritual intelligence in their families. This is a reality. You have to be comfortable with expressing your own feelings from time to time. You have to know that your authentic self isn't always wrong or bad, but it's just an opinion like your parents. You have to recognize that you have value even when others are upset with you. That doesn't take away your value, right? They're just someone else's feelings. A lot of times people are afraid to do something their parents won't want them to do, even though they are actually living on their own or independent or whatever. And if they're not, if they have a job, why are you still living at home? If you're a man, go get your own place. Get on your own two feet properly. Don't live at home for years and years and years and try to get married from home. Like you should, if you're living in the West, get your own place. That's a very good next step. If you've been at home for several years now, you save some money. There's no need to just stay there until you find someone. And you'll have more power as a man when you're like, I already have my own place. You gotta make your own decision.
young man I was speaking to, who is uh, single and, and you know courting different sisters, told me about an incident where you know one sister was just nonstop mentioning how she wanted him, the man, to relocate to where she lives with her family and her little bubble. And, uh, you know, he said what any man would say, like, look, you know, I'm open to that in the future when you have a family maybe and we can be closer to yours, blah, blah, blah. But the, the young lady just wouldn't drop it. And eventually the truth came out. It's what? She's enmeshed with her family. Her mom is the one who's making her convince her that, you know, only, you can only do this if he decides to move where we are, right? And the man's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, that's just not going to happen. I guess it's not going to work out. And you know what the young lady said to him? She said, well, can you ask your mom if she'll let you move here? Like, that's, those, that's, a, that's a girl. That's not a woman. You see what I'm saying? And these are people trying to get married. They're, they're thinking like that. <laughs> ask your mom if she, if she can say it's okay for you, the man who already has a job, right? His own life going. If my mommy says it's okay, I guess I can move and marry you after all. Well, then you're not a man either. But it just goes to show you how people are programmed. Right? You have an ability to disagree or say no without feeling guilty. A lot of times the only weapon your parents have over you in these types of enmeshed codependent situations is their emotions, right? Unless you're financially dependent on them, well, then obviously you're still a child. You're, you're, you shouldn't be trying to get married anyways, right? It's a different story. So I'm kind of speaking to the young people who are trying to get married, who live in these types of families. I'm not addressing an 11-year-old right now, right? That's, that's a different story. But I'm talking about adults who think they're ready to go start their own families when they themselves don't realize the entangled, unhealthy dynamics of their family's program yet. And now we're shipping them off to marry some other person who's probably coming from a similar culture or background and in same style, right? And then I've seen situations where, like let's say a person doesn't come from an enmeshed family and they're trying to marry a young person, another young person who does come from one. It's like, that's a big mess. Because like one side, one side is like, you're, everyone's gonna follow what, you know, whoever the, the, the tyrant is in the enmeshed family's ideas. And then if you have this other family that's like, no, actually we all kind of think independently. We're not expecting our, you know, our son or daughter to just do everything we tell them. You know, we actually want to discuss things with them because they're the ones getting married. <laughs> it's like, I love how so many parents just talk about what they're going to do for the two adults, so to speak, who are supposed to get married. Like, I've literally spoken to people like, I don't know, my parents decided all that stuff. They talked about all that stuff with their parents. What is this, a business deal? Really? It's like the, the young man and, and woman who are getting married, you expect them to be adults and mature and responsible and accountable. They're not even discussing the terms of their own lives together? That's just absurd to me, you know? So some things to try little by little if you're in situations like this. Of course, counseling helps. Talking about it with people you trust can help. Um, if you have siblings, 
in an enmeshed family and your siblings acknowledge it. You know, sometimes the siblings are, they have healthier relationships between themselves than they do with the parents because they actually can see what, how the parents are, right? How even mom and dad are codependent on each other in some unhealthy way and that gets, you know, um, passed on to the children. So the, the, this is a very common, I think, barrier to the success rate of Muslim marriages in America from, from my cases. This is, this is one of the reasons why I'm sharing this today. It's a serious thing. And it sets us up for unlikely succeeding in relationships if we come out of enmeshed, codependent, unhealthy relationships in the first place. Thanks for tuning in to the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Inshallah, keep me and my family in your dua and do the same. Thank you for all my patrons for supporting and sponsoring the show. Please keep us brewing at patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem.